Welcome to the Film Hall Podcast. I am Raul. And I'm Trevor. And I'm a scientist. And I'm a filmmaker. Every week we watch a movie. We haven't done an episode in a while, but yeah, generally that is the rule. And then yeah, we, we talk about it. Yeah, we have to edit that. Every week or so. <laughs> <laughs> and this week, or more like a month ago, we watched yeah. Deadly Friend. Deadly Friend by mm-hmm. Wes Craven. West and this was a uh, this episode or this screening was a little different. Than it was a little different. So, yeah. I visited Trevor about a month ago. We did an episode, a sort of impromptu one that I released a little bit ago. That was sorry to bother you, mm-hmm. but kind of the crown prince of that of that the whole session is that we hosted a outdoor get together screening. Do you say crown prince? Yeah. Crown Prince of <laughs> Bel Air, <laughs> the Crown Prince. But we hosted like a thing where we had some film holders over. We screened this horror movie. It was around Halloween, late October time. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a bonfire. Yeah. Trevor rented a projector. Yep. Pretty this sweet was, setup. This was a socially distanced event, also mm-hmm. the best we could manage. So we had a fire. It's all outside. It was a projector with a screen that former guest on the show, Justin Wheatley and I built out of wood. It was a whole deal. We like made this permanent screen and he and I just like tested that uh, screen once again the other day. That's right. With a, pro- you, with a projector I, I purchased. You bought a projector. Mm-hmm. But uh, the event itself was like, I would say the coolest coronavirus like social event that I've been a part of so far. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've heard of these pop up every once in a while. Like outdoor movie watching is like uh, one of the things you can do. It's like on the list of pre-approved Corona mm-hmm. social things. We did when it was warmer. We did a lot more of this. We went to like a drive-in theater. We went to a few outdoor movies at a theater here in Kansas City. So really happy that that is like a way to watch movies. I don't know how. I guess you could still go to drive-ins now. You just stay in your car, keep the heater on. Yeah, that could still work, though. Yeah. Don't you usually want to have the windows open, though? Because that's how the speakers work? Uh, Depends. I know, it, at least at the drive-in theaters I've been to, it's just a radio frequency. Oh, like, that is you, so cool. You tune into a radio frequency, and that's the audio for the, the movie. Nice. It's so cool, because like, the last drive-in we went to with our friends Chris and Savannah, we... You took my truck and we filled it full of uh, couch cushions. So it was this big, soft, like, bed in the back of my truck. Uh-huh. And then we had a little portable radio that we just, like, kept with us, uh, like, in the back of the bed there. And, like, that was tuned to the right frequency, so we had our audio all, like, taken care of. Nice. But, yeah, back to the movie. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Man, I barely... This was a month ago. This was so, a long time ago. I barely remember anything about this movie. I yeah, was already like drinking quite a bit and just like I was more enthralled with like the like the social component than I was like the movie itself. Right, so, right. It was a little I, very bit of a distracting. Retained, yeah. But of the actual movie. But it was a kind of movie that fit the setting, I think. Like we weren't watching like Synecdoche. Right. A very dense thing that you know, Yeah, like, that's why we picked it because we anticipated that. We anticipated not wanting to pay attention to it, right? Yeah. And we 
needed a movie that was in that Venn diagram of something entertaining that can hold your attention if you want to watch it, but also you won't lose anything if you are talking to your buddy for a few minutes. Right, right. And boy, did it deliver. Okay, so I have the info pulled up here. So Deadly Friend is a 1986 American science fiction horror film directed by Wes Craving, starring five to seven people who are no names now. Um, The plot follows a teenage computer prodigy who implants a robot's hardware into the brain of his teenage neighbor after she is pronounced brain dead. Uh, The Mm. experiment proves successful, but then swiftly begins the, the, the robot girl begins a killing spree and it's based on some novel oh it's based on a novel i didn't know that yeah a novel that came out only the year prior to that oh okay so that's just like i'm looking around for screenplays and they're like well here's like a half written screenplay it's like, oh you mean it's a book like, <laughs> yeah usually when you say something is based off of a book it's like a classic novel by some right. renowned author but this is right. just like he was in this like the sci-fi section of the local bookstore he's like okay i'll I'll make a movie about this. It really makes it seem like a lot less artful. Like it makes it seem like they didn't have an idea for the movie. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. this one just came out. Yeah, that is a weird. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Like a book that just came out and then someone immediately making a movie about it. Unless it's like the same. If it was like a collaborative effort somehow, they were like planned to release in tandem or something. Right, right. I don't get that impression from the quality of this movie, though. No, no. Definitely feels like just a, something you found and made a movie about it. Yeah. So what'd you think from what you remembered? I've seen... This was a movie that I put on the list. It's something that I have had vague memories from watching this when I was like pretty young and impressionable. Mm-hmm. And just from that, the impression that it left on me a long time ago, I just had like a gut feeling that this would be the perfect movie. Yeah, I I remember you showing me a clip of this movie like back when we lived together of the the infamous basketball scene. Uh-huh. Uh, someone else was talking to me about like I I was talking to my boss at work about that screening and that we watched Deadly Friend and he said that like the next day or something that on one of his social feeds that he saw like the basketball clip. Oh, really? So like the algorithm like figured it out. <laughs> he got back to you about it yeah he told me about the basketball scene nice do you want to try to recount a little bit of the plot or just I can try, try. To, try to piece it together from what we I remember? can try <laughs> okay so i watched like a few minutes of it and i'm kind of i've got it on in the background here so i'm cheating a little bit but something that i i think is kind of confusing if you just kind of know the basic bullet points of this movie is there's a robot there's like a short circuit style robot that's in the first, I don't know, half or third of this movie? Yeah. Straight up, like, short circuit knockoff. Is this pre or yeah. post short circuit? I want to say post. I would wager post. It yeah. feels, like, a little too similar to short circuit to not be influenced by that. Right, the noises. <laughs> yeah. Bip-bip. There's also this really weird thing about the design of the robot where there's like this uh shell or like body casing thing that's around the bottom half of it that's meant to look like tracks like uh like on a tank or like an off-road vehicle it's like what uh number five from short circuit that's what his like wheels are made out of they're just tracks and this like robot is so like low budget that it 
they just made like a portion of the casing look like tracks. They, he doesn't actually have like real tracks. Can you show me that? Can you screen share? Yeah, sure. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. See, so it's just what like, is what is the actual mechanism for moving then? Just I mean, like some wheels. It's just like yeah, like an RC <laughs> like car thing underneath. But they very clearly like tried to make it look like number five from Short Circuit. Yeah. Also. A lot of similarities to BB-8 from Star Wars. Even, like, the same color, well, you know? the robot's name is BB. The name is BB. Yeah. I think Chris made that connection during the screening. Where yeah, I'm like, curious oh, if it's... Uh, I think it's plausible that it's, like, an... Oh, yeah. that it's an homage. That somebody somewhere has seen Deadly Friend. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, there's this robot... And this is like the project of the college student. Is he a college student? The no, he's like a, he's like this teen child prodigy guy who's like has some kind of affiliation with MIT or something, right? Oh, maybe he maybe he's like an early like like one of those stories where like a like a seventh grader goes to college or whatever. Right, they're, right. They're so smart. Yeah, yeah. So completely off of like the regular academic track, and mm-hmm. so this is like the one of the main characters of the movie. We have like this. Uh, brainiac guy who has a robot that he's built and they've moved into this new town Mm -hmm. he meets some of the locals initially then what happens after that i'll let you kind of lead on the plot synopsis otherwise it'll just be me reciting (laughs) it well i think uh so the the robot is like kind of uh it's a man about town like people like the robot they think it's like cute or whatever and then his friend his his uh friend or i don't know if it's his love interest or what but this girl this teenage girl who's his neighbor from what you said dies or something i don't even remember how that happens like what happens to her to the abusive father remember oh right there's that whole angle so like if you didn't know this is a scary movie or like a violent movie or you didn't know the director initially you would think that this was just like another short circuit kind of knockoff movie with a Mm -hmm. cute robot it's silly you know pretty fun and then we are introduced to the neighbor girl that he meets and like it's obvious that like her father is like abusive and then it's implied that he's like sexually abusive towards her yeah and very controlling and very violent and stuff this Um, movie is like we picked it because it's it's like oh dumb 80s silly horror just senseless violence sim like basically what evil dead is but this, like, gets into, like, really adult territory. Right, really right. It makes you feel bad. Yeah. Evil Dead, I can just watch and, like, not bad an eye. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is too too much. I mean, the movie is not... It's mostly not that, like, the domestic and sexual abuse. But it does get there, like, pretty early on in the movie. Right. And, and it colors the of rest it. of the movie in a way that I really like. So, like, what happens... So, the, the woman gets killed by her father not oh. super like on purpose but kind how does of it ha- i don't even remember how it uh happens. like knocks her down some stairs right okay remember that scene and she like hits her head and then kind of twitches the old i didn't mean to murder this person gag right fell down some stairs right and then this is where the movie just really starts picking up pace the boy genius decides that Probably takes, the best course of action here is to take the brain of his BB, robot. Right. Uh-huh. I guess who we missed this, but he was like destroyed earlier. 
okay i don't yeah i didn't remember that either with the old lady with the shotgun oh okay yeah yeah Yeah, he was an important character so he lost his robot a very important thing in his life and then he lost this neighbor who i had no indication that he even liked her at all like this the main character actor like there was no courtship part of the movie where those two like started to get to know one another and like like each other there was none of that yeah it went from like her dying to him being like i have to put my robot's brain in her so i can revive yeah really really unjustified use of this rare technology right it's like a yeah someone who's like driven mad by love or grief or something and there was nothing that indicated that their relationship even if you take romance out of it was even like that serious right you know just maybe some buddies exactly i didn't i would not do this for you raul i would not like take my robot brain and put it in your brain no if you're like what are those uh robot vacuum cleaners called a roomba a roomba you wouldn't take your roomba and put it in me (laughs) i'm just like scuttling in your living room (laughs) i love the idea that you can take a robot like chip and implant it on a brain and the person will just act like just become the robot Yeah. yeah isn't there a futurama episode that's like this Oh, I'm yes. Sure. Yes. Which one? There, Which one? There's a a brain like the brain swapping episode. Yeah. Because Scruffy the janitor has a robotic uh, bucket for his mop. Uh-huh. The bu- the bucket can like talk, but it just it's strictly related to bucket functions, but it also has this weird obsession with Scruffy like a It has the ability interest. to love. Yeah. And it switches brains with like Amy. And then Amy, like, becomes a blank-faced robot that uh, is really obsessed with Scruffy, but also just thinks it's a bucket still. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got our Futurama reference out of the way. While we're kind of going off on tangents, also it's exactly like her when the robot computer love interest, um, voiced by Scarlett Johansson, she, like, like, hires a prostitute, yeah. right? I think she might have not been a prostitute. She seemed to seem like a regular girl who was really into robot human relationships. Okay. Just went on some message board. (laughs) Right. Because remember at the end, she was like, I think what you're doing here is really beautiful. I just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's just like that. No, but but back to the movie. By the end of the movie, I was like, I couldn't tell if the guy was like mourning the loss of the girl as much as he was mourning the loss of his robot. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I recall, my memory's fractured on this, but I recall him being really upset by the girl dying. Like, really upset by both things, but, like, more upset by the girl dying. Okay. It's just that as the movie progresses, like, he becomes a worse and worse person. The, <laughs> the way that he was able to, like, implant the robot in her is that he first needed to steal the body. She was either dead or comatose one of the two but he broke into the hospital and stole this body yeah and took it back home and did did the surgery Mm -hmm. that's questionable it's like a means to it's a means to an end for this like wacky concept everything about like the auxiliary characters motivations uh is so like hand wavy it's like yeah obviously he needs to get the body so he's gonna break into the hospital it's just like two lines of like stage directions (laughs) <laughs> you know that's exactly how it works too mm-hmm. yeah we just need to get from point a to point b mm-hmm. 
but then from there we go into like the robot basically like um it works the robot woman you know moves around and stuff but eventually it starts taking out revenge on people that have wronged her including um initially her dad Mm -hmm. which is a revenge from the woman the girl part of this conglomerate entity and then it takes out the old lady who had originally killed bb right right so that's the that's the uh that's the climax of the movie right there right right why is that the climax raul it's the basketball scene the basketball scene it's such a great scene this is like the only thing motivating like my will to watch this movie that's good that's good right here because otherwise it's a it's a very like weak recommendation for me i'm like yeah there's this movie i saw like a decade and a half ago Mm -hmm. if you want to watch it yeah but like knowing that it has this basketball scene in it really cinches it i feel like people know this gif that we're talking about you see it come up i think on you know like a watch mojo like top 10 craziest horror deaths you know yeah yeah i've seen it before the that the scene alone has more like notability as like a meme or like a gif than it does like a real part of like a real movie right but to describe it to spoil it the only reason that's worth watching this movie is the robot as the girl throws a basketball at this old woman's head and it explodes into a million pieces of little red jelly yeah it's a great prop it's like a um ceramic sort of molded head Mm-hmm. right with like a lot of jello and whatever else gore stuff yeah. they put inside of it the frame if you like slow it down the frame right before the head explodes like the dummy looks so fake can you it's, very, uh, it's, it's clearly like a uh, here let me find you should it. just pull it up yeah show me yeah. that okay so we got regular <laughs> lady here i mean that looks like a real person this is real this is real and then oh man that's pretty good though it's so scary looking like the eyes and and then she has like no body like you can tell those uh clothing are just draped over nothing right it's just like a stick so let let me this is a question so either like right after she gets the the chip implanted in her or maybe gets progressively worse throughout the movie but the girl has these like dark circles around her eyes yeah so does that mean that she's like decaying like is her body like actually dead that's what i thought it was meant to indicate okay and it's just makeup it's just right yeah but that's just like a very grotesque uh thing that's happening if the movie doesn't address it in any way it's just like this body is like dead but like it's somehow still like animated i think that's what it's going for to not jump the gun too much, what happens for the rest of the movie from here on out? Nothing too important, right? Except for the ending? Yeah, I guess so. What else happens? You, you will know better than me, man. I'd like... Can you pull up the, the VLC again? Sure. Because I want to talk about the ending scene. Oh, shit, I forgot about this. Yeah, dude. I watched this so young. I thought it was a movie about Short Circuit. Oh, wow. So, so so the scene just to uh set it up here 
the rest of the movie after all of like the violent rampage of the robot girl entity is that she gets taken down by like cops shot or something and then um the final scene we see the main character sneak back into like the hospital or morgue to look at the the body um so he takes it it's like one of those things from like men in black you know what i'm talking about like the the apparatus is holding the body is that what you talk it, what yeah yeah about? just like little shelves in the wall and you pull it out right it's like a file cabinet but with humans with bodies you've seen <laughs> yeah. it before in movies but he, yeah he pulls it out and there's it laying there and then um there's a moment of silence and then an arm reaches up and just like starts strangling him it's the robot uh-huh. girl coming alive and then can uh, i describe this next part yeah 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 go for it okay so you think it's like oh she's come back to life but the real twist here is that her skin starts to peel off of her skull and it the movie is not explaining to you why this should be happening but you soon realize and he's uh the skin on her arm is also coming off like all of the muscle just like down to the bone for some reason and you realize that underneath all of her skin is like the original appearance of the robot as if it were like a costume or something for somebody the best way i can describe it is like if the robot had like dna it like somehow mixed with the biology of this woman and then there was this mutant half human half robot underneath her skin right before this i would say like the movie was like um it was part human part robot but it was like 70 percent human 30 percent robot well it kind of implies that it's just like the robot portion is just like in her head you know that just like the consciousness is a machine now right right nothing physical about her looks robotic right right but all throughout we have the eyeshadow thing getting darker and darker that's the flesh is just wasting away for the actual thing underneath yeah like so as the humanity dies away and then this robot monster comes out i really like this uh concept which the movie just glosses over it like it does everything else but it's like implying that whatever he did which we said is essentially sticking a microchip in her brain that that somehow like mutated her biology like your your brain doesn't have the power to do anything like that normally it can't just like change your genetic makeup yeah on a whim yeah sure but somehow this computer chip can do that it's just like manifesting itself it reminds me of like the the nanobots from futurama one more futurama Uh reference where it's just like they're machines but they're also capable of like evolving right right and they do it super fast it doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense but it's a good finale it's scary Mm -hmm. and the robot has like these like teeth yeah that look really scary and like terrifying red eyes it looks like an evil power ranger robot (laughs) that's how i would describe it yeah and that's the movie i mean damn that's the movie nothing more you really need to know (laughs) i can't decide whether i want to watch it again with with stacy with my partner had she not seen has she not seen it nope oh okay unfortunately that would be good and now time for what's keeping us grounded what's keeping you grounded 
Not much. I mean, I've been in like quarantine for like a while. So since I went to visit why you, were you, why were you in quarantine, Raul? You gave me COVID, dude. I didn't give you COVID. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Someone gave both of us COVID. Yeah. So Trevor and I both contracted COVID dash one nine. Mm-hmm. The coronavirus. The coronavirus. We went to uh, an event, a uh, wedding. That was the whole reason that you were actually in town, and we had decided that. It didn't. It didn't seem like there was gonna be terrific social distancing or masks or mask rules in place to this event. But it was an old friend of ours, so we felt inclined to go, yeah. anyways. And so we just kind of decided that we should build a quarantine schedule into the few weeks after the wedding. And so that's what we did. We just were planning on quarantining as soon as the wedding was over. Yeah, and mine's been a little bit longer because. When I came back, and then I thought that, like, I would immediately that like my partner would immediately just get COVID as well that I would like transmit it to her, mm-hmm. but that never happened. She just got tested again today, mm-hmm. and came back negative. So she actually mm-hmm. left to go to work. She hasn't been at work in like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. She just never got it. Yeah, same with my partner. It's weird. She was in like she was playing it safe, but like in pretty close proximity to me. Uh-huh. Like a few times where I definitely like had it. So like to paint this click- picture a little bit clearer, we both tested positive like a few days after the event. Mine was like first. You initially had a negative test result uh-huh. because uh-huh. You, I think you took yours too soon. Which is very educational that even if you mm-hmm. get exposure to COVID, it'll still take like a few days to possibly to show, show up. up. Yeah. So you got a negative test and then i got a positive test two positive tests actually because i just wanted to be extra sure (laughs) and double positive and then you got tested again you tested positive and so that triggered our respective like mandated quarantines for me it was like the county that like told me i needed to stay home Uh uh-huh i don't know if i would like what would have happened if i left like if i would have gotten like arrested (laughs) or something i'm not sure but uh, yeah, we were both out of the woods recently. Today for me, I guess, with, with Stacy's negative test coming back today, we can leave. I left. I got some beer. I walked That's to great. the corner store, and I cried all the way there. My quarantine was over about two weeks ago. So. And you haven't done anything since. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, wow, how, how have you celebrated your new freedom? It's like, oh, you know video games uh, and popcorn and right it's just like it's not like it changes anything if like you as one no. person gets it you still like the whole world is in lockdown so <laughs> it's not like i can go do anything right right now more than ever mm-hmm. we recently just got a lot of like uh we have like phases here it's like purple red zone whatever it is but we just got like demoted one. Oh really yeah it hasn't been like rising as quickly on the coasts right as it is like in middle america right now i'm not sure my impression was that like the the virus finally made its way to middle america in a big way yeah and like because everybody's like anti-maskers here that it's just growing like way more rapidly right right that's my impression too Yeah. yeah 
but still like basically the trends in all the states is upward right and then i saw a study that said that like probably the amount of cases is like n times what we like what is reported now Mm-hmm. So if it's like if we're reporting two hundred thousand new cases a day, it's actually like you know six hundred thousand or eight hundred thousand or like a million or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like basically just full throttle. Yep, that's basically like no inhibition at all. That's just unmitigated growth. Right. What else you want to talk about? I don't know. I'm gonna get another beer here in just a sec. Yeah, me too and welcome back let's do rapid fire you seen anything good recently i watched episode eight of the return Twin that was Peaks, a long return. time ago dude what, what have you been doing i don't know have you watched oh. like 9 10 and 11 but you're just like going back to eight no i've watched nine and ten maybe nice since then more than halfway there it's a tough thing to commit to as far as like my relationship with tv like right now is it's just something to do while i'm eating where i'm otherwise entertaining myself a different way or working yeah so i I just don't really watch tv for like focused pleasure right now are you still stuck with doing it lockstep with grace watching it with grace no no i did break myself out of that that relationship's over Like individual, I like broke up with her, so I could media watch watching by myself. Really, yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's good. No. When I watched it with Stacy, she just like literally fell asleep. She has a problem with like falling asleep. And Grace does this. Yeah, I I think that for most of the episodes, you know, seventy percent of them, she was asleep somewhere around the halfway mark. Yeah. So the show's already like nonsensical and like really nonlinear and hard to follow. She just was like... It's like the problem with uh, watching movies in your own home, though. It's Your home is like designed to be the most comfortable space that you have access to. When you're in a movie theater late at night, it just makes sense. You're like, I gotta leave here at some point. Yeah. So, like, my brain is more awake. Right, right. But if you're home, you're just susceptible to, like, spontaneous napping at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I saw... I've been watching a little bit of Seinfeld recently. It's a good uh, thing to have on. You know, just, Mm -hmm. like, marathon a bunch of episodes throughout the day. He had this, like, one bit about Lazy Boys. He was, like... The chair? uh, Yeah, the Lazy Boy company. Um, He's, like, oh, that's that's not very flattering. But then at the end, he was, like... um, It's, like, they go back so far, you're, like, basically lying down. Like, go to sleep already. Just go to sleep. You're pooped. You're exhausted. Just go to bed. It is, like, the most comfortable chair that exists. It's like a lazy boy recliner. I like this point, though. It's like, if you, at a certain point, you're, like, too comfortable, you might as well just be in bed. Right. I downgraded the comfort of my chair recently, my desk chair. Uh-huh. How did you, how'd you do that? Well, I had, like, a, a gamer chair, the ones that look like race car seats. Uh-huh. I, f- I refuse to believe that those are as nerm- as ergonomic as, like, the shape like wants you to believe you know sure 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 so and it it just like looked weird like on my zoom call i just had these like race car like wings sticking out of like my chair nothing is worse than those weird like little head cradling things yeah so they're like like, in case you're (laughs) in case you're at a high-speed collision you can like protect (laughs) your neck (laughs) 
So I needed to like adult up my like chair for like my Zoom presence. So I got rid of that. And then I got this like just mesh back chair. It's not as comfortable as that chair, but it just like looks more normal. Nice. But I don't need to be like this chair is ergonomic. It's not like hurting me while I sit in it. But it uh is not super comfortable and I don't need to be super comfortable. Well, when yeah. I'm sitting at my yeah. desk. You know, this is something that's, like, really tough with, like, stay-at-home stuff is that when I was, like, usually working at the office, you know, like, you're, like, at least sitting upright and kind of professional-looking. But now, more often than not, I'm laying on my couch with my, like, laptop on my lap. Uh Uh-huh. And that's not great to do, like, day in and day out. No. Like, psychologically or ergonomically. Nope. That's why I like my... My living room and desk and just my furniture in general is not, like, super cushy and comfortable. Yeah. Because I want it to feel like you, if you needed to, you could, like, get some work done. So we initially had this idea of having callers call in tonight, but looks like we might only get Grace or one other person. That's still a call-in show. That's still a call-in show. If one person calls in. Still qualifies, but... I think our first caller is probably can... going to be Grace. That's Let's do it. Okay, now we're going to be joined by uh, a Grace Fawcett, our first and probably only caller. <laughs> Welcome, Grace. You are now in the film hole. And a closet, by the looks of it. She isn't. She's in my closet. Hello. 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 Did you hear any of what Raul said a second ago? No, I was still connecting my audio. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. I thought I was going to use, like, the Zoom, like, waiting room as kind of, like, a switchboard thing. So I was like, and now we're joined by Grace Fawcett. And then I clicked on you. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, like, super seamless. So, Grace, welcome to the Colin show. Uh, so we're talking about... <laughs> very formal very formal we didn't we didn't practice this at all (laughs) uh we're talking about the deadly friend screening from a month ago Mm -hmm. you were present is that right i was present you were present you were participating you made some like kick-ass cider oh thank you i'm glad you liked it (laughs) so recount the event to us how do you think it went what I think it went swimmingly. What happened was I arrived. Trevor had everything <laughs> Suddenly, set up. Suddenly I was awake. <laughs> no, Trevor already had everything set up outside in terms of like the all the audio and like the the technical ways of we, how this was going to happen. Um I was the concessions department. As in, I made popcorn and also spiked cider. So mm-hmm. that was my contribution. And the screening itself was actually, like, very enjoyable. The movie was hilarious. I think it was the best choice for a viewing experience like that. And yeah, good to hear. the company was delightful. I also want to just throw in, because I haven't mentioned this yet, but I raked that so much your backyard yeah you were raked so much 
You're obsessed with getting my yard cleaner than I was. It was like <laughs> a a fire starter hazard, like a fire hazard before I came in and then I cleaned it up. Yeah. Lots of dead leaves. To be fair, though, they weren't dry when you were raking them. They, they were weren't. like soaking wet. Very okay. Soggy. But on record, they were a fire hazard. <laughs> In reality, maybe not as much, but. Yeah. <laughs> we'll commend you for your uh, your safety abilities. I never get to do any yard work, so that was like pretty fun for me. <laughs> I really get how like certain types of yard work really pisses adults of a certain age off. Uh-huh. You know, you just get, like, wrapped up in yard work. And it does. It sucks. Like, mowing your yard, but more than that is raking leaves. Because you rake your leaves, and it's, like, the next day, even. If, I like, can the see la- that. Yeah. the leaves are falling down, it's just, it's, like, as if you did nothing. The only one I don't get is, like, clearing your driveway after a snowstorm. It's, like, it snows one to three times a year, like, heavily max depending on where you live uh-huh. just do your own driveway i don't get like this rockwellian like hiring the kids to do your driveway i think in places like the upper midwest like michigan and minnesota those places i feel like it just snows all the time in places like that but it's the easiest chore nothing could be easier to move than snow certainly not no leaves. no 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 because a lot of times there's ice below and so then you like not only do you are you sh- you're shoveling the snow but then below it is the ice and you have to pick away at the ice to like get down to the actual concrete oh, and right. that takes so long you just like take the snow off and you're like i'm not gonna pay you kid like my driveway is <laughs> covered in ice yeah even more dangerous than if there's snow on it so grace do you remember the movie at all yeah i think i remember it fairly well what do you remember about it I remember that the first, like, 30 minutes, it was really hard to figure out what was going to happen. It was pretty obvious that this robot was going to do something. But I don't think it ever became, like, it was never, like, set up that uh, the main character would go to the lengths that he did to, like, keep the robot alive. You know, like, it was definitely framed as this movie where it was like, the robot is evil. And then you realize it's not actually the robot that's evil. The robot's just doing what it's programmed to do, and the human behind it is evil. It was very interesting. So you think the him putting the chip in the girl's brain, you think that was motivated by him wanting to keep the robot alive and not to save his friend? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he cared about the girl that much. That's kind of what I was getting at. Because we never had any development between their relationship other than, like, meeting each other. Yeah. And then she dies, and then his, like, next step is, like, I'm going to put the robot in her. It just didn't seem to add up. And, like, he doesn't really... he He doesn't really seem like he's excited to see her once the robot, like, takes over takes over her he's mm. more so just like like astounded that his idea worked you know like he's just excited about the fact that it's working he's not excited to see her yeah yeah it's this movie is like a great like viewed through the lens of a evil mad villain origin story i think really works in this movie yeah because this guy really goes downhill fast he's like as soon as a robot's killed and the woman dies he's like 
I'm going to break into the hospital. I'm going to steal that body. I'm going to do this surgery. I mean, he's just really... On a scale from 1 to 10 uh, of ethics, I'm going to call that a 1. <laughs> um, yeah, in a, on a scale of 1 to 10 of ethics, it's definitely a 1. Yeah. Maybe a 2. Like, you could argue mm-hmm. me up to a 2. But I'm starting at one. I'm with you at the one. I think that's where it belongs. Yeah. Also, he's so young to be so evil with like no real motivation. Like it's not like he's gonna make money off of this. It's not like he like it just seems like pure evil to me because there's no like desire for like wealth. There's no desire for like someone else's suffering. He he just kind of wants to just like do it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, he seems like more or less normal in the beginning, like a normal brainiac. And then his robot dies and he becomes like a mad scientist all of a sudden. Right. Initially, I mean, he's commendable. And then he, does he actually kill his mom? He just almost kills his mom, right? Oh, wait, what happened? I forgot about that. We didn't talk about that. But he... (laughs) For, for their plan to recover the body involved drugging their mom so she would go to sleep. So that yeah, they would have yeah. the time to do that. And then when yeah. they get back, he realizes he like thinks for a second that he actually killed her. And then and she woke up. Yeah, she was Yeah, fine. I think she did wake up. But at that moment you're like, I don't think this guy like has a hundred percent handle on this situation. Definitely not. Especially the well the thing is like he's so smart and yet he didn't know how much to actually give her like he gave her a lethal dose but he's supposed to be really smart like i don't understand that that stuff scares me like what, mm-hmm. what's the medical profession of the people that administer anesthesiologist all those? Yeah. yeah like the tolerances yeah. for that kind of thing are so low yeah that's why they get paid the big bucks because their job is terrifying right just put your brain to sleep yeah for a little while yeah for a lot of while, in the worst case scenario. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Do you guys know, I looked this, I found this out the other day. There's been like places that have decriminalized drugs. Yeah. I, t- I told you this about uh, Oregon. That's and you, right. Like, didn't, you didn't believe me at first. Yeah. Why well, did I understand? I was like, they, de- I de- they decriminalized uh, heroin and cocaine. Is that right? I'm not sure about the drugs in particular. Yeah. But um, a couple of years ago in Oakland pretty close to me they decriminalized mushrooms mm-hmm. and so i was like doing a little bit of googling and so it's decriminalized which means like they won't like fuck you up for like having it or using it or whatever but mm-hmm. selling and distribution is still illegal right but in berkeley there is a uh, this organization like this church that these like hippie people made that mm-hmm. is just a front for selling mushrooms where did you see this? Um, or read about this? Just online. It's a completely like public-facing thing. It's like we are the church of this, and part of our practices is like the use of mushrooms. Okay, that's interesting. There's actually this... like exceptions and laws for like indigenous mm-hmm. groups to use whatever psychoactive stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. So there's like a little bit of legal precedent, and so these people are trying to say like this is our church. We're a church, and part of our deal is that we do mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And so they've sold, they, like, apparently, like, you can just go there and buy mushrooms. Right. 
but the police went in and like seized like two hundred thousand dollars and like a bunch of drugs a couple months ago the satanic temple has authorized abortion as one of their religious practices so now if you are a member of if you're a satanist and you have like the card that like actually says that you are part of the satanic temple you have a right to a safe and legal abortion but it's still legal right but it's to make it in areas where like it's i think they're protecting in the event that it becomes illegal but like say you're in a state that's very like has a super strict abortion laws like you'll still be able to get one because technically it's a religious practice (laughs) i love that (laughs) i respect like for things that it makes sense for like causes that i believe in so using mushrooms and abortions but like (laughs) it's really like it really is like taking advantage of like that thing that's like built to protect like real like religious practices but we're just like using it to like further like our agendas right yeah but isn't that like so many other things as well like, like I, I think s- you see that everywhere. People are always going to be picking, piggybacking off of certain things or, like, finding loopholes. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, the idea of a loophole, I think, I just don't like. General, <laughs> you know? Like, the Trevor religious exemption, it's just, like, grandfathering in these organizations that, like, are, have been doing something that would be, like, strictly illegal. Uh-huh. And so to then go and, like like sell mushrooms in Oakland and make hundreds of thousands of dollars and say like, well, these like indigenous tribes do it. So it's Mm -hmm. okay for me to do it. It's all legalese. Yeah. Yeah, It's honestly like a a case that if you lost in that case, like then those indigenous tribes could get it taken away, which then is fucked up you to do that in the first place. (laughs) They just like destroy all the rights. Um, have you been on topic at all? Mm. Yeah. We got some yeah, some minutes in there. It's just like <laughs> this movie has like nothing to it and I don't remember like, And we don't remember a lot. <laughs> mm. Isn't like the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster like a real religious organization? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, something like that. Just like religions that are weird on purpose. Just whatever you want it to be. Like Scientology. <laughs> zing zinger but yeah it seems like they're always trying to like kind of weasel in on this legal angle of like trying to like push the religious category to its um to its limits 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 Mm -hmm. flying spaghetti monster is the deity of the church of the flying spaghetti monster of pastafarianism jesus Port Manitou of Pasta and Rastafarianism is a social movement that promotes a lighthearted view of religion and opposes teachings, uh, opposing the, the teaching of intelligent design and creationism in public schools. According to adherents, Pastafarianism is a real, legitimate religion as much as, as much as any other. It has received some limited recognition as such. The flying spaghetti monster was first described in a sac satirical open letter written by Bobby Henderson in 2005 to protest the Kansas State Board of Education decision to permit the teaching of intelligent design as an alternative to evolution in public school science classes. What year? 2005? Five, yeah. No way! Time I remember, I remember seeing a Family Guy episode 
where they were like um it was like a weird episode where like all the characters were like back in time like like caveman characters and then there was a thing that said like it was like an aside except in the state of kansas (laughs) <laughs> and then at the time i thought like oh they must just like insert the name of whatever state the person is in oh really yeah because i didn't understand i didn't know i didn't know that for a long time whatever that uh-huh. i was certain that they just like must have filled in the state because i thought like why would they say kansas out of any state like i didn't know what did we watch recently where we learned about the whole like dubbing for different audiences do you know what i'm talking about yeah, 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 yeah. Demolition Man. Yeah. It's like uh, characters would say, like, let's all go eat at Pizza Hut. But it was clearly, like, dubbed from a different word that they said. Yeah. The initial actor did not say Pizza Hut. And it was the original actor said Taco Bell. The original was Taco Bell. So we actually saw the international version. Right. And yeah. they dubbed it for international audiences because Pizza Hut was a more recognizable brand international audiences that's so, so funny. the file that we were watching must have been like the english track in it must have been international yeah how about that that's great they can and just I, do that and the restaurant they went to like they didn't even serve pizza or tacos or anything right which really so, was advantageous i guess to that whole process right just hard to believe that that would exist like 30 years after the movie was made what would exist that the world would change that much in like 30 years oh yeah that this one corporation would just like be all the restaurants it was accelerating like pretty fast for a while don't you think yeah people always talk about like we went from like a horse and buggy like at the beginning of the 20th century to like landing a man on the moon by the end of it so it's just like in their minds people who were alive for that period of time just like science fiction was just like exponentially like increasing yeah 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 i think that that's not gonna go on forever though it's gonna level off eventually it's not gonna be like incredible progress every decade after the next i think we've already passed the period of the most profound change occurring during like one lifetime you think so yeah yeah definitely I can't quite decide on, like, which generation, like, had the most change. Like, whether, like, my grandpa that was, like, born in the 1920s and, like, died in the, you know, later 2000s had the most change. Or was it a little bit later, a little bit before that? Yeah, I don't know. I like how in uh, in the movie um, Shawshank Redemption and in real life, because I've worked with some people who've been, like, incarcerated recently. And, but this idea of, like, going to prison for, like, a few decades... And then you emerge from prison and like, it's as if you went forward in time because all of the technologies is different. Yeah. So like in the Shawshank Redemption, I think a character got out of prison and he had never seen like cars before. No, Uh, he'd seen cars. He just hadn't seen them go that fast. Oh, okay. What a trippy concept. Yeah. And then that whole premise was that the world was moving too fast and he had gotten too old to keep up with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the guy that, like, killed himself, right? Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. In that movie. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so maybe that was, like, the period of, like, the most change. Yeah, because, like, what do we have, like, somebody that went to prison in, like, 1990 and woke up now? They'd be like, oh, you guys have these, like, 
little tablet things that you're just on all the time. Yeah. It's, it's just, just the internet got more accessible. It's just That's not it. that like glamorous, like from somebody that doesn't know it, like looking in, it doesn't look that impressive. You know it would how, just be like from 1990 to 2020, people just kind of like looked at this thing more and more. Right. And that's all it looks like to them. It's just like, oh, people are just doing this more. Right. The new Borat movie like addresses that. Like everybody is like calculator crazy. Is what he <laughs> says in the beginning. People love calculators now. Yeah. Yeah, I, saw I think th- with that, I'm going to bow out. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us, Grace. Thank Bye, Grace. You. I feel like the way that Rip the call-in episodes of Reply All work is I feel like there's a lot of shit that's like cut out because the way they say bye always feels so abrupt. They're just like, all right, bye, bye. For sure. Like everybody just says bye. For sure. (laughs) For sure. They edit the hell out of that. So you want to talk about what's keeping us grounded? Yeah, for sure. Do you remember when we were watching Sideways the other day? Yep. And I freaked out. We were doing that really cool thing. Where we were like voice chatting while watching the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember I freaked out like when they were like, there's this song playing and I'm like, I'm learning that song right now. Yes. And it was like crazy. It's it's crazy because it's kind of obscure. Is that right? I don't know if it's obscure or not, but it's just like, oh, okay. a, yeah, it's a song by this like Spanish classical guitarist. Um, from like a hundred and a half years ago. Okay. And over the past few months or so, I've just been learning song after song of this guy. Okay. On guitar. And that song randomly showed up in a movie that we were just happened to watch. Yeah. Randomly showed up. And so that's something that's been keeping me grounded. I've like been like diving deep back into guitar because I've played since I was very young since i was like in middle school or something mm-hmm. but for a long time like my i never like really progressed much like i wasn't learning new songs or new styles or anything mm-hmm. but you know this recently now i've been like really digging into this like classical guitar stuff and, yeah and learning it has been very educational it just like teaches you a lot of things mm-hmm. um for that one song that we saw in that movie the primary thing is finger picking with the right hand you got to do like with like three fingers you got to go like that really fast to like get a tremolo effect Uh huh. and my hand's not used to that so that's like taking a really long time to try to get working mm-hmm. but other than that i've learned like some other songs that are nicer i got like uh got one of these I missed a few notes, but it works. And so that's been a lot of fun. So it's been that, 
and reading analog books. What's been keeping you happy, Trevor? Or sorry, grounded. Grounded. Well, keeping them I, honest, Anderson Cooper, three sixteen. I t- I too had a bout with the coronavirus, and then I came out the other side. You got much sicker uh, than I did. Well, I mean, that's saying much sicker is like, like you weren't even sick. I didn't even feel it at all. Yeah. Ultimately, there was I like a like, day or two where I had like sniffles, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, here it is, it's coming." Uh-huh. But then that was it. That was like the end of it. Yeah, I mean, like, I there was two days, exactly two days, where I was like super congested. Super congested. So, okay. I didn't have like any like the shortness of my breath was strictly due to like me not being able to breathe through my nose because of congestion. Mm-hmm. But like, did not seem to affect my lungs in any way. I n- had a cough. I didn't have a cough at any point. But. But you were obviously sick, like you know. Yeah, I was sick, but like my symptoms were like crazy mild. Got it, got it. So I also spent a couple weeks by myself. In that time, I got into Twin Peaks The Return in like a serious way. Yeah. I watched the entire first season of Fargo. I think the F, is it FX? And I'm halfway or like almost done with like the second season so, like, that show is terrific. I played the video game Inside. Have you played this one? Mm-mm. This is the same people who made Limbo. You know that one? Yeah, I, I know about that one. So it's like a side-scroller, and, like, the art is really cool and dramatic, uh, minimalistic. Inside is, like, way cooler than how far I got in Limbo. I would highly recommend it. I just played it all like in a single evening like if you can spend maybe like six hours playing it and like finish it single player yeah yeah it's like a puzzle based side scrolling game and nothing is explained it the plot all just kind of reveals itself in real time oh i there's love no, that there's no exposition at all i'm looking at some screenshots of it and it looks really intriguing you should play this dude you will have like the time of your life I would be interested. I, I, I will yeah. I will play it. Should we... Um, wrap it up here? Should we wrap it up? Yeah. So what'd you think of the movie overall? I know you... It was your first time watching it. Yeah, so... I really like this movie. I don't remember most of it. But I reviewed okay. it a little bit. I reviewed a little bit of it tonight. I don't think I need to remember most of it. I was there for the basketball head explosion... And, like, we talked about the most notable parts, which is, like, the moral questionability of the guy and, like, somehow the girl mutates into a robot. Those are all cool things, and I'm glad I extracted that from this movie, but I don't need anything else from it. It doesn't... I don't need to watch it again. And for Uh, that, you'll give it a 10 out of 10. And for that, I'm going to give it a... Five out of ten. Budget. Short circuit robots. That's the lowest score I think we've ever given on the film hall. I'm giving it. All right. We need to give out more low scores. I think. Yeah. I think we need. I think we need to bring the mean score down. It's just hard to be critical, you know, uh-huh. about stuff that we decide on. 
that we predetermine is something that we'll like. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love this movie. I watched this movie, like, super when I was, like, really young, and I thought I was watching, like, a short circuit type knockoff, and so I thought it was going to be fun. But I was thoroughly traumatized by the experience. Um, and watching it, you know, a decade and a half later did not disappoint. Mm-hmm. I thought the effects were great. There is great shock value and just build throughout the whole thing. And for that reason, I'm going to do something kind of unprecedented in film history. I'm going to give the lowest <laughs> film, film whole score that has ever been given 4.9 out of 10. <laughs> you just like prices right at me. Knock off BB 8s out of 10. <laughs> That's like the thing in Price is Right, right, where someone bids like $1,000, $1,001 in the crowd, like booze them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called strategy. Thanks for listening this week. Our music is by W. Look him up at underscore W on Instagram. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Editing this week is, uh, will be done or has been done by Trevor Mowry. It's going to be me. Wherever you're listening, give us a good rating. Connect with us at at FilmHolePod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again. See See you you next week. week. Special thanks to Grace Fawcett for all of the episodes that she's edited prior to this, but tonight for calling in, being our only caller in the show. Mm -hmm. I'd like to special thank all of the guests to the... uh, to the original screening that includes Justin and Elizabeth Wheatley, Grace Fawcett, Chris Maddie and Savannah, and Kale and Jessica for coming to the screening.